Thanks, John and Isaac, for leading us in worship today. My name is Brian Asker. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossview Rosa Parks. But why am I a pastor? It's because dozens and dozens of people have influenced me over my four decades of life, beginning with my parents, who I often say, when I was young, if the church was open, we were in the building. And my youth pastor, Doug Asprey, who invited me into student leadership and let me try some things out and make some mistakes. It's because of my InterVarsity staff worker, Colette Michael, and the broader InterVarsity community that taught me how to study the Bible and how to lead other people in Bible studies, including my friends who didn't know Jesus. And some of them came to follow Jesus because of those Bible studies. It's because of a pastor, Jeff Sorvik, who invited me to be a part of a church plant that he was doing, where I got to experience what it's like to be a community that's trying to plant a church in a community. And I would be amiss if I didn't mention Lakeview Covenant up in Duluth, Minnesota, and John Jenks and his wife, Anne, who helped Sandy and I discern our calling to church planting, to this church. And I could go on and on and on, listing people and communities that have influenced my life. And I'm willing to bet that if you thought about it, you could list dozens of people who have influenced your life, whether you follow Jesus or not. There are people who have influenced who you are today. Because we don't live alone, we live in community. And that's what Romans has been talking about, and that's what today's passage is talking about. Living in community and how we do that. We've called it extending grace. We've been walking through Romans from chapter 12 all the way to today, where we're going to finish in chapter 16. We've called it extending grace because God, it says in Romans chapter 12, extends his grace to us. In view of God's mercy, in view of God's grace, he extends that to us and he invites us to extend that out to other people. So let's jump into today's passage, Romans chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help that she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. And Paul lists her official status as a minister of the gospel in Centrea because the early Greco-Roman church and the Jewish culture didn't always value the opinion and the, uh, the knowledge of women, specifically their religious knowledge. And Paul wants to make sure that as she reads this letter out loud to them as they ask questions that she is able to answer their questions with authority. He goes on to say, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. And doesn't it sound nice to be a part of a church where people are risking their lives for you? That's the kind of community that I want to be a part of. He says, greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, 
who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greeting. Wow, this is a long list of people, and we might be tempted to skip over it. 27 names in all that are specifically mentioned, along with several others who are brothers and sisters and households that are attached to these names. And it's common to do that in ancient letters, and Paul certainly did it in other letters, but this, scholars agree, is an unusually long list. And Paul hasn't even been to Roman. Paul hasn't even been to Rome. So what's going on here? Well, Paul has met some of these people because some of them, Jews, had been kicked out of Rome. Five years ago, Caesar had declared that the Jews needed to leave, and some of them, including Priscilla and Aquila, had ended up in Corinth working alongside Paul in his ministry. And others of these have traveled and he's met them. But as we look at this list and we think about the fact that Priscilla and Aquila and some of these other Jews are coming back into town and that they are now living as a church, a diverse community, this is a lot of what Paul has been talking about, that these different ethnic people are coming together trying to live in unity under the authority of Jesus. And so as we read through this list of names, we see that some of them are Jews, some of them are Gentile, some of them are men, women, they're slave, they're free, some of them are Roman citizens, and some of them are immigrants. Some of them have a lot of money, and some of them have none. And all of them are people that Paul says are an example of what it looks like to live out what he's been talking about in Romans 12 through 16. Extending grace. And I think particularly of importance to him is highlighting the diversity because this is, it's more difficult to live in unity and to extend grace in a place of diversity where we have differing ideas of how to live out this gospel that Paul's been preaching to them. And so he urges them, in view of that ideal, 
wanting them to live in unity, he urges them to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings that you have learned. Keep away from them, he says, for such people are not serving our Lord, Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And what's interesting about this section as Paul encourages the Roman church to maintain unity is that Paul doesn't list any specific names of people who are causing division. Now, some of that might be because he hasn't been to Rome, so he doesn't know the specific names. But I think more importantly, Paul's more concerned about their unity and how they do that. And he says they do that by watching out for people who cause disunity or who cause divisions. And then they need to distance themselves from those people, which might sound bad, but these are people, he says, that are only interested in themselves. It says they serve their own appetites. And if you've ever been in a scenario where somebody's only interested in their own life, in their own interests, it's really hard and causes a lot of division. And so he encourages them to grow in discernment. And he tells them that God is going to crush Satan under their feet. He goes on in verses 21 through 24 to greet them from several of the people that are with him, working alongside of him. And then he finishes with this, starting in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And what Paul's doing here in this final segment is reminding them of three things. That first of all, their faith comes from God. That he is their leader. He is their authority. And second of all, that Jesus is the good news. That Jesus' life, death, and resurrection shows that they can live in right relationship with one another that they can overcome their own sins and live in right relationship, not only with God, but also with one another. And finally, that this message of good news, that we can live in right relationship with each other and with God, is for everybody. And what Paul has been doing throughout the book of Romans, and specifically in Romans 12 through 16, is trying to communicate this idea that he wants the Roman church to be a diverse community of people living together in, on mission, in unity, under the authority of Jesus. So as we think about that, living together in, on mission, in unity, under the authority of Jesus, how are we doing? How are we doing at Crossview Rosa Parks? Well, I think in some ways, we're actually doing really well at this. 
I think one of the ways that we're living under the authority of Jesus is that we are committed to being a church that prays. We pray every week on Wednesday night for one another, for our community, for our church, for the mission of God to move forward here in Mankato. And many of you have joined us in that. You've sent prayer requests for your friends and for our community. And we've been praying together because we want to hear first and foremost from Jesus. It's why we spend time each week in Scripture. We want Jesus to be our authority. But I also think we're doing a good job of living on mission. Many of you have served. You've served at the Connections Emergency Shelter. And you've served at the Bridges Food Pantry. And you've served at a variety of other places around our community. And I want to encourage you in that. I think we are living out the mission in that way. And we're also living out the mission because our mission is to connect people to Jesus. And we see more and more people are watching church with Crossview Rosa Parks. Some of those people haven't been to church in years. And that's part of our mission. And when I think about the ethnic diversity of our church, I think about how we have a fairly economically diverse church. We have people who are doctors. We have people who are teachers. We have people who work in offices and people who work in the service industry. And we have people who are unemployed. We are a diverse, economically, economically diverse church. And surprising to me, I didn't expect this, but we're actually a fairly diverse church in terms of our age. Oftentimes, church plants are young, people that are willing to take risks. But we have people who are empty nesters. We have people who are married with, ch- with children, people who are married without children, young single people. We have families, kids, infants. We have some that are expecting soon. We even have some ethnic diversity in our church. We have people who speak Spanish, Portuguese, French, Arabic, and English. I think there are some ways as we think about this ideal that Paul has put before us to be a church that is diverse, that is living together on mission in unity under the authority of Jesus, we have some places to work on. And a couple that I can think of is these places that are often very difficult for churches to live into. First off is to be an ethnically diverse church. Our launch team is 95% white. And while there's nothing specifically inherently wrong with that, it's not part of our vision. We want to be a community that represents the broader community that we live in. And according to city data, 85% of Mankato is white. So we have some work to do. The second thing I think we have some work to do is around the mission. We're doing a great job of serving others, but we also want to see people connecting to Jesus. And that takes a lot of hard work, a lot of focus. So I wonder what it would take for us to be a community that's living, a diverse community that's living together in, on mission, in unity, under the authority of Jesus. I think Paul has a couple things that we can take from today's passage that can help us. The first is to ask ourselves, who is influencing us? And is it a diverse group of people? In this first set of Versus Paul lists a ton of people 
and it's a really diverse group of people. And if our friends and the people in positions of authority over us are not diverse, how will we know about their struggles? How will we join them in their joys? And if you don't have a diverse set of friends or a diverse set of people that are influencing you in some way, I want to encourage you to broaden the group of people that you're listening to. And if you're needing some help with that, Sandy and I would love to help you think about what are some books that you could read? What are some YouTube videos that you could read? Some preachers that you could listen to? I'm not talking about people who don't follow Jesus, although certainly we can learn from them as well. Who are the people who follow Jesus who are different from us that we could learn from? The second thing is this. We can watch out for those who divide us. That's a big part of what Paul's talking about in this because he wants us to live in unity together. And we need to watch out for those people. It doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything. We've shown that again and again as we've talked through this, that that's not, that's not necessarily the reality. But what it does mean is that we will seek to find the things that we have in common. That's biblical unity. And I'm reminded of what my wife often says about how we're trying to raise our children. We want them to know how to live in right relationship with people who are different from them. Because the reality is that no two people are the same. Even Sandy and I disagree on things. But what we do agree on is that we are committed to each other. I think that is a great image for what Jesus and what Paul is calling us to do here. He's calling us to be a family together, a new society of siblings, he says. And one of the ways that we do that, Paul encourages us to increase our discernment so that we can know who's causing divisions. And I think the best way that we can do that is through prayer. Be praying and asking God to give us unity and to help us to know how and who, who and how we need to go about getting rid of those who are not bringing about unity in our church. The last thing that Paul is passionate about is preaching the gospel. Paul wants everybody to know the good news that God created the world, that it's been damaged by evil and that Jesus is restoring it and that we are invited as a church community together to go out into the world and we are sent together to heal the world under Jesus' authority. And for this one, I just think we need to live into our church values of inviting people, of serving, of doing small groups, and being radically generous. That is how we're going to live out the preaching of the gospel in our community. So I want to encourage you to think about which one of those is the one that you need to work on. Is it expanding the diversity of people that you're influenced by? Is it watching out for the people who cause divisions or do you need to watch out for yourself in causing divisions? Or do you need help in preaching the gospel to as many people as possible? I want to encourage you to pick one of those and work on it so that we can become a community like the early church, like the church in Rome, 
Because as I think about the early church in Rome, they are the ones who live this out. 27 plus people who lived out what Paul has been talking about, a diverse community living together on mission in unity under the authority of Jesus. And as they did that, they passed that faith on and it has been passed on from generation to generation so that today I follow Jesus because of some of the people mentioned in this church so many years ago. And I wonder if we could be a church like that where people talk about some of the people in this church by name who have lived out this idea that we are a diverse group of people living together in, on mission, in unity, under the authority of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for how it challenges us and speaks to us today. We thank you for the example of these people who lived out this so many years ago and for Paul's words to us about how we can do that. Would you help us to do that today? Would you help us to be listening to a diverse group of people? Would you help us to be intentional about being unified in Christ and to get rid of those who would not maintain unity? And would you help us to preach the good news of Jesus to everyone around us so that more and more people can experience the good news that you love them? Amen.